Welcome to The Upward Journey, the podcast ministry of Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina. St. Augustine once said, Men go abroad to wonder at the heights of mountains, at the huge waves of the sea, at the long courses of the rivers, at the vast compass of the ocean, at the circular motions of the stars, and they pass by themselves without wondering. Isn't it easy, though, to see these types of things and be in awe? Yet the truly remarkable thing about each is that their Creator tells us we have infinitely more worth than they do, and He desires to lavish His love on us. And if you're ready to explore and experience that kind of love for yourself, then join us now for our series, Wonder, as we continue the Upward Journey. How is everybody today? Looking good. Man, there's nowhere to sit in here today. Great. Glad to have you here. Speaking of places to sit, we're getting so many comments online and in person about this stool right here. <laughs> and I get talked about all the time saying, can you preach without that thing? Because so, you never sit on it. So, are y'all happy now? Y'all happy now? All right. Now I'll go back to twirling it around. All right. Good to see y'all. Glad you're here this morning. Today and for one more weekend, we're in a series called Wonder. And we're getting caught up in how big, how awesome, and how great God is. And we're just meditating on that and learning about it. Do you know the more you think about God, the better off you are? You think about God, you'll get smarter. You think about God, your heart will get cleaner. Think about God, your life will get better in all kinds of ways. You think about God, you get lifted up above your trials and the stinky circumstances you're in. And you just go to a higher place in your mind and in your heart. And that's what we've been doing the last three weeks. and got two more left counting today. And we've been looking at Psalm 139, one of the most beautiful psalms that David ever wrote, one that many Bible scholars think is the greatest psalm he wrote. And there's some stiff competition for that one. Psalm 139, we've learned about the omniscience of God, that God knows everything. Can you say wow with me? Wow. Wow. God knows everything. In Psalm 139, we've learned about the omnipresence of God, that God is fully present everywhere, all at the same time. Can you give a wow for that? That's just incredible. In Psalm 139, we've learned about the omnipotence of God, that God can do anything. You got it by now? Wow. We serve a God who knows everything, who is everywhere at the same time, and can do anything that needs to be done. And when I consider a God like that, all I can say is, wow, God, you are incredible. So we've had three really good messages on this. And uh, as I got to studying this, I got to be honest with you about it. I got to look, and I felt some months ago that God wanted us as a church family to go through Psalm 139 specifically. So I sat down at my desk, and I began to kind of block it out into which message would be which and try to find out how many messages there were actually in the psalm so we could get it on the calendar, you know, and plan it well. So I began to separate passages out, and I found there are five solid sermons in the book of, in, in Psalm 139, five solid sermons, so that's why we have five. I looked at Sermon 1, and I said, man, that is a home run if I've ever seen it. All you got to do is swing at this, and you'll hit it over the fence. And I swung and hit it right out of the park. An amen would be at least polite. Wow. Wow. Now I'm wowing at you, God. Uh, 
I looked at the second one when we talked about, you know, God's uh, omnipresence, and that was just a home run message. And I said, man, just swing at that, and you're going to hit a home run. I looked at the third one, and it was, oh, one of my favorites. I love that third one, and I really wanted that third one, but it fell out on the calendar. Matt got that one. And I told him, I'm so jealous of you getting that. Boy, he swung and hit a homer last week with that one, right? It's a homer. I looked at message four and said, oh, Lord, what am I going to do with that one? Got to be honest with you. The fourth message in the psalm is an absolute curveball. We're talking about the wonder of God, the majesty of God, how great God is. And then you've got this part of the psalms that nobody really knows what to do with. Did you ever play that game with your children one of these things is not like the other. You have four pictures, and they've got to pick out which one doesn't fit. As I looked through the five messages that I saw in Psalm 139, message four did not fit at all. And I had no idea what in the world I was going to do with this. David is worshiping God and saying how great God is, how majestic God is, how God knows everything, can do everything, and is everywhere at the same time. It's this wonderful psalm of worship. And then all of a sudden, he takes a hard left turn. You ever been in a conversation that all of a sudden took a turn? He takes this hard left turn and he starts talking about his enemies. We're going to read it together, Psalm 139, 19 through 22. Now, now get it. I want you to see the hard left turning. We're talking about God is great. Give me a wow, one more. Then here goes David. Oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked. You're a great God, now go get them. Then he says, I'm reading this angry because this is how David's saying it. Get out of my life, you murderers. What's going on here? Weren't we just in a worship service? Weren't we just talking about how great God is and all of a sudden, God, go destroy the wicked people. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you. Your enemies misuse your name. Oh, Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? You need to read that with me. Shouldn't I hate those who hate you? You're not saying it right. <laughs> Come on. Shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Let's read verse 22 together. Man, this was tough. Yes, I hate them with total hatred for your... Come on, stop, stop. You're not saying it right. Just stop. <laughs> Let's say it right. I hate them with total hatred, for your enemies are my enemies. I just don't feel very worshipful right now. You know what I mean? I'm just praising God, saying how good God is, and, oh, God, I hate them. Get them. Why in the world is that in the middle of this psalm? I tried to study it and hopefully thought that some scholar or some preacher had figured it out, but no, they haven't. The best that some scholars can come up with is somebody must have come along later and pasted this in the psalm because it doesn't fit. Several of them say that. Some, some guy came later and just added this. This is even, this, the psalms are a song. Can you imagine us here singing a worship song? Oh, how I love Jesus. Now go slaughter my enemies, God. God, please kill the wicked. I mean, that's an old song, but... Uh, 
Imagine inserting that in a worship song. What if the worship team had done that this morning? Some of them would be like, yeah, I'm coming back to church. Let's sing about our enemies. Hard left turn. One guy just says they must have pasted it in there later. I don't believe that. I believe the Holy Spirit inspired the Scriptures, and the Holy Spirit protected the Scriptures, and I believe what's in the Scriptures is real and for us today and applicable to our lives today. Much more applicable than what you'll see on the news today. The Scripture speaks to us where we are, and God put every word there. I don't believe that. I I started to look up, sometimes when I'm in a really difficult passage that I can't figure out, I'll follow after some of my favorite Bible teachers and some of my favorite preachers to see what they said. So I found a series that one of my favorite teachers did on Psalm 139, and I thought, man, I'm going to be okay because I'm going to figure out what this means because this guy's going to tell me he's so smart. You want to know what this guy did? He sailed right over this passage and skipped to the end. He didn't even preach about it. Just so you'll know, next week, number five, is another home run. It's going to be great. We got to get through week four today, though. We got to make it. And that's one of the good things about teaching through the scriptures and sticking with it. You've got to deal with the passages you'd rather skip over. You'd rather, you got to deal with the ones that don't feel like they're going to preach so good. You got to wrestle with them. Thanks a lot, Bible scholars. Thanks a lot, preachers. You didn't help me this week. But you know what? Sometimes in the wrestling, you learn things that you didn't know was there. And in wrestling with this passage, I began to understand why it's so important. And I began to understand, I believe, why God had it in there. And I want to spend just a few minutes today unpacking why this odd verse, this odd passage is in the middle of a song of worship and how these things apply to our lives. Number one, number one reason, this passage brings context to the psalm. This passage brings context, and by context, I mean background. I mean what's going on when it was written. I don't know about y'all, but I bet it's true for you like it is for me. I can worship God really good when everything's going okay. I get an answer to prayer, you know, we went and got some labs for my wife uh, two weeks ago, and her numbers were as high as they've ever been since we started in a good way. Her numbers were awesome and wonderful. And, oh, the best thing is the doc said, you don't have to come back for labs every week. You can come every other week now, which is wonderful. Ever had your blood drawn? You don't want to do that every week or every day. You don't want to do it. So good news. Man, coming out of that doctor's office, we're high-fiving. It's so easy to worship in those times. Context is everything, though. You're tempted to read this psalm and say, David must have been going through a really high time, a really wonderful time. He must have just gotten good news. But what we see in this passage is that this psalm was written while David was being heavily persecuted by his enemies. He was being chased. He was being pursued. He had people, as king all the time, he had people that wanted to murder him. At times, even his own family. At one time, even his own dearly beloved son tried to kill him and destroy him. David went through some difficult times. But the context of this passage is this, that some of the most powerful expressions of worship come from the darkest trials. I want you to hear me this morning. Worship will never be so precious to you as it is in the middle of a storm when you determine to turn your focus off your trial and put your focus on God. 
some of the greatest worship you will ever experience in your life is when you're hurting the most and you have nowhere to turn but God himself. And you focus on him and realize that in the middle of your storm, he is more than enough. Some of you need that word this morning. God is more than enough for what you're going through right now. The storm may be raging, the waves may be crashing in your life, but your God says to you today, I am more than enough for what you're facing right now. Out of the depths come cries of worship. Back in 1871, there was an attorney and real estate investor, and he lost a fortune in the great Chicago fire of 1871. Lost a lot of money. He decided that he and his family needed to get away for a while. They still had some resources. And he decided that he and his family were going to travel to England and spend some time abroad just recuperating from all they had lost. So he put his wife and four daughters on a ship to sail ahead of him to England. He had to finish up some business. And he was to meet them after business was finished on the next ship going over. But tragedy struck the ship that his wife and four daughters were on. They collided with another ship, and the ship sank in the icy waters of the Atlantic. And his four daughters died. Only his wife was rescued. She made it to England and sent a telegraph back, and she said, I am saved alone. What do I do? He immediately jumped on a ship. Can you imagine that? I can't imagine anything harder than that, losing all my children at one fell stroke. He jumps on the very next ship, crossing the same route to go to England to be with his wife. And in the middle of the night, he was asleep, and there was a knock at his cabin door, and it was the captain. And the captain said, Sir, understand what you went through and the tragedy. He said, I just wanted you to know we're at this spot right now where the ship went down and just thought you'd want to know that and the man got up and got dressed and he went out and he he looked over the railing at those dark waters and he began to think that this is the spot where my daughters lost their lives but he said in that moment God was present God's power was present and he began to think about what he had rather than what he had lost. And he said words started coming to his mind, and he wrote these words down. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And his name was Horatio Spafford. Later, P.P. Bliss took those words and put them to music, and it became a hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, that is sung around the world today by Christians. Because when it's well with your soul, you can face anything. Some of the most powerful expressions of worship come from the darkest times. Now, what do I mean by worship? Some people, when you say worship, they just think of the, what we do right before I get up to preach. The crew's up there singing, you know, and we sing a few songs or, or we watch. 
I want to encourage you that this is not a concert. We don't come here to watch people worship. We come to worship as well. Some of you don't sing very loud. Thank you. <laughs> we appreciate that. If you can't sing, uh, make a joyful noise to the Lord. <laughs> but participate. Sing out of your heart. Make sure when you're here in a worship service, it's not a horizontal thing, but it's a vertical thing. It's you and Jesus and the body worshiping together. But worship is so much more than the songs we sing. Worship is when we're in the middle of a terrible trial and we refocus. I have a tendency to get down when things go wrong. Anybody else? When something happens that I don't like, I can get consumed with my problems. We can have a service here and at the end, five people raise their hands to say yes to Jesus and I'm all pumped about it, but on the way out, somebody will complain to me about something they didn't like and I'll get in the car and I'll be down because one person said something I didn't like. And many times my wife has had to refocus me and say, wait a minute, how many people said yes to Jesus today? Anybody other than me need help with that from time to time? Worship is refocusing off the problem and turning to focus on God. And when I look at my problems, my problems get bigger and bigger and bigger. But when I look at God... My view of him gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And when I think about an omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God, my problems do not look so big compared to him. Your God is more than enough to get you through what you're going through right now. This passage brings context to David's worship. I love it as well. This passage brings authenticity to David's worship. Authenticity. He said, they blaspheme you. Your enemies misuse your name. David's being very authentic with what he feels in his heart. We love the word authentic here at Upward. Our core chief value, or the first on the list of our core values, is authentic relationships. That means follow Jesus and keep it real. I said, follow Jesus and keep it real. You don't have to be sunny all the time. When somebody's sunny all the time, I don't trust them. I think they're faking. Somebody acts like they've never had a problem, I don't trust them. They're lying. I like authenticity. I like people when you say how you're doing, they say life stinks right now, but God is good. You ever pasted one of those fake smiles on your face at church? Come on now, you have and I have. You ever put one of those fake smiles on because you wanted to be a good Christian and you thought being a good Christian means smiling all the time? No, that's not right. Being a good Christian sometimes is weeping through tears and barely making it to church before you run out of gas and falling in the chair saying, God, I need help today. Somebody better come along to pray for me and encourage me or I'm going to give up. Good Christians go through that. We love authenticity. David did not hide this. 
He did not hide this sharp left turn. If I'd been one of David's advisors, and I'm not, I learned a long time ago that God didn't call me to serve him in an advisory capacity. David just illustrates right here how easy it is right in the middle of worship to lose focus on what's important and to start looking at things that don't matter. He's worshiping God. He's got that vertical going on. And then all of a sudden he looks down and he starts thinking about his enemies. How easy it is for us to get distracted from worshiping God to our problems. Anybody other than me. How many of you have ever been worshiping God right here in this room and all of a sudden start to think about a problem? How many of you lost your worship before you got out of the room? Anybody? How many of you lost it in the parking lot? How many of you made it all the way to Interstate 26 and then you lost it? That is a good place to lose your worship right there. That is the prime place to lose your worship, Interstate 26. Those of you who don't have to drive on the interstate to get here, God bless you. you are just got it great. But the rest of us, we got to deal with all that. I have left this place before feeling like I was just right up there in heaven and then got on 26 and some joker comes up and cuts me off. And I'm going to teach you all something right now. Let me just teach y'all something. That lane to get on the interstate is called the acceleration lane. That means when you get on that thing, you speed up. You don't pull up there and stop at the end of it and look around. See, I've lost it right now. I just lost it right now. That's authenticity there. I was feeling all good. Now I'm mad. So I'm just going to lay it on y'all. I got 14 minutes left. Y'all going to get it now do a sermon one day on how to drive. I've gotten on Interstate 26 and just lost it. I'm really upset with someone. David put that in the psalm because that's where his heart was at the moment. He could have edited that out, but he didn't. Can I tell you something? The Bible doesn't leave out the failures. Neither should we. You read the Bible, it's full of failures. I mean, we did a whole series, last one called Family Matters. Failure after failure after failure. We learned in there what not to do. God could have edited all that out of the Bible. Now, if I was God's advisor, which I've already told you I'm not, I would say, God, you might want to leave out that part where there was a prostitute in Jesus' family tree. God said, nope, that's going in there. Because I love broken people. He put all kinds of people. Addicts. Look through the Bible, you'll see addiction everywhere. They don't call it that, but you'll see it everywhere. Failures. When you're sharing your story, don't leave out the failures. Because that's what connects you with people. That's what makes a difference in their lives. See, you help others the most when you're honest about your failures and honest about your struggles. Amen? Amen. David was just honest. Follow Jesus and keep it real. Follow him and be who you are. And let him change you into who you really are. Can I get an amen? amen? God's made you unique. He's made you powerful. He's made you with a lot of 
qualities that he put in you specifically because he wants you to be that way. Don't waste your time trying to be somebody else. Don't waste your time trying to appear to be a super Christian. Be who he called you to be. Follow him and keep it real. Amen. Sometimes I act like I'm supposed to act. I got to be careful here because I might unleash a beast here, but I got to be careful. Sometimes it's not about doing what you're supposed to do. It's doing what you're called to do and being who you're called to be. Walk through this life. You're going to fail. You're going to mess up. Even after, after this wonderful sermon, you're going to get on I-26. Some of you, it's going to happen to you in about 15 minutes. This is not prophecy, but it's going to work. You're going to pull on I-26, you're going to say, there's that guy the preacher was talking about. There he goes. There he goes. I'll meet him too. You're going to lose it. You know what you do? That's when you refocus. But don't be, on, don't be dishonest and try to hide your failures. They are a critical part of your story that will help somebody else. Amen. Third thing. Third thing. This passage, first of all, brings context to the psalm. It brings authenticity to David's worship. Now the third and final thing. This passage brings focus to our true battle. To our true battle. Now, let's read this again. Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? He's asking God about it now. I almost get the sense that David in this has, has thrown this thing at his enemies all of a sudden. And he's starting to wonder if he's right or not. Is there room for that in your theology? There, there ought to be. Sometimes the Psalms are, are wandering around to try to get to where God wants them to be. And David's like, man, these enemies kill him, God. Then he's like, shouldn't I? Shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Now he's talked himself into it. Yes, I should. I should hate people, God, who are your enemies. Your enemies are my enemies. Now he's like, God, they're your enemies and they're my enemies too. David had somewhat of a righteous zeal here for the causes of God. I'm not trying to throw this passage away totally. There's some right in his life. He wanted the purposes of the kingdom of God to be fulfilled. And he was against those who thwarted the purposes of God. And he wanted to be on the Lord's side. But let me just say this. Ah, worshiping God and hating people at the same time? Mm, no. It won't work. You can't worship God and hate people. You can't worship God and hate anybody. See, we have the benefit of the revelation of the New Testament. We know what Jesus said, Matthew 5, 44. Jesus said plainly, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus said that clearly. So we know the answer to David's question. Shouldn't I hate those who hate you? No, Jesus said, love them. But there's further revelation we get from Paul as to who our real enemy is. There is somebody to hate. There is somebody to be angry with. Paul said, Ephesians 6.12, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. 
We'll say that again because it's so powerful. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. You can see them. They're not your enemy. We're fighting against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Spiritual powers in this dark world. And against evil spirits in heavenly places. That's our real enemy. You see, our enemies are not physical. They are spiritual. It is so easy for me to get focused on fighting the wrong battle. It's so easy for me to think people are my enemy. It's easy for me to think people who don't agree with me are my enemy. It's easy for me to think people who don't vote the way I vote are my enemies. It's easy for me to watch these opinion shows where one person I agree with and the other person I don't. And it's so easy for me to set that person up as my enemy. Can I tell you this? People are never your enemies. It's the spirit world behind them that are your enemies. And your anger and any hatred in your heart must be focused on them if you're going to win the real battle. I'm going to tell you unashamedly, I believe there are demonic spirits in this world that operate in this world. You read this passage and you begin to see that Satan has a kingdom, if you will, that has organization to it. There are demonic spirits assigned to places. Some of you stretching a little bit this morning, but hey, heard a tough Navy SEAL interviewed uh, just recently, and I was watching the interview, and they asked this tough guy, they said, do you believe in God? And essentially what he said was this, he'd been to war, he said, well, all I've seen, he said, I'm not sure that there's a God, but I'm pretty sure there's a devil. Because I've seen evil that's beyond human evil. I tell you, there are demons out there that are working to wreck your life and to destroy you. Now, I believe this with all my heart, and I believe the Bible will back me up. There are demons assigned to Henderson County. There's demons of drugs that go after our children and put them in bondage. That's not just a chemical thing. It's not just an emotional thing. That is a spiritual bondage that demonic spirits put on our children. One of the biggest demons in Henderson County, oh, I'm calling them out this morning. One of the biggest demons of Henderson County is the demon of religion. Boy, it got quiet. The demon of religion wants you to think that going to your church makes you right with God. The demon of religion wants to make you think that your church is the only church and everybody else is messed up. The demon of religion wants to divide churches instead of uniting them together for one common purpose. One of the things we got to take on in Henderson County is the demon of religion. Yes. Tell you what, folks, there's a war going on in this world today. There is a war going on right now. It is not just a cultural war. It's not just a political war. It is a spiritual war, and the devil is trying to destroy everything of the kingdom of God. He's trying to destroy people. The Bible said the enemy comes, the thief comes, Jesus said, to steal, kill, and destroy. And there are demonic spirits operating right here in our community that are trying to kill, steal, and destroy. And the biggest thing, the biggest mistake we can make is focus on the wrong enemy. 
Here's the deal. If you face the wrong enemy, you can win the wrong battle and lose the real war. You know you can win and still lose? You ever won an argument with your spouse and still lost? Come on now. I was right, but I lost. You can win an argument and lose the relationship. And that's a loss. Nobody wins an argument, you lose. But if you and I focus on people and make them the enemy, guess what? We're not fighting the real battle. For the real battle is fought in the spirit world. The real battle is fought when we go to our knees and pray and ask God. See, here's the deal. The devil's assigned some people over Henderson County, but we're here. I'm here and you're here. And God's assigned us Henderson County. Come on now, folks. God's given Henderson County to us. I'm not saying upward. I'm saying Christians. God's given this place to us, and he's given us authority. Oh, yeah, I'm going to start preaching now. I'm getting happy. Don't make me mad. I'm worshiping now, but don't take me off. But uh, God's given us authority over demonic spirits to say no. Amen. And we're called to stand in that authority and lead our community. Our motto is this. We're building his church. We're transforming our community. The way we do that is in the spirit world. I was walking into a grocery store not long ago, and I don't know what happened. I, I know more what happened now than I did at the moment, but I had a person come at me to, in the parking lot, came after me with obscenities and everything, and I never met the person to my knowledge, just came at me in the parking lot. Now, I was ready. <laughs> if he had got to me, I'd have fought flesh and blood. I was ready. I don't like the way y'all laughed when I said that. <laughs> don't appreciate that. I told you not to make me mad. Pretty big fella. Pretty big fella came at me yelling obscenities. And all of a sudden I realized... This is spiritual. See, the enemy in him recognized the Jesus in me. It's not because I'm some sort of super saint, because you've got the same Jesus in you. I'm not trying to make myself out to be some exalted person, but sometimes the enemy in them will recognize the Jesus in you. And I had a choice. I could have physically defended myself or I could have spiritually defended myself. And thankfully, I chose the latter because I'm stronger in the spirit world. Now, just let me say this. If he'd have got to me, he'd have had his hands full. With that laughing, I hear it out there. I know what you're doing. He had known he'd got a hold of somebody even if I came out losing. But I began praying in the Holy Spirit. If you don't know what that is, oh, the Bible's filled with prayers in the Holy Holy Spirit given prayers. And I began to pray in the Holy Spirit, not loud, under my breath. 
He was about as far from me as from me to that front row. And I began to pray in the Holy Spirit, and he turned. Just like that, turned and went in the store. See, the, the Jesus in me took authority over the Spirit in him. He went in there, and later I came around a corner, and there he was face to face, and he turned and fled. That's the war. I wasn't fighting that guy. That guy wasn't my enemy. The spirit in him was against the Jesus in me. And I had authority in Jesus to stand against that. And a battle was won that day. Understand, when you fight the wrong enemy, you can win the wrong battle and lose the real war. Christians, we're called to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. And we are on a warfare footing right now. We are at war. We're going to win it in the spirit. Because God can accomplish more in the spiritual realm. God can do things in a moment in the spirit realm that would take years, if ever, to accomplish in the physical. Amen? I'm just going to tell you this. I believe there's a breakthrough coming in our world. Can I tell you this? I believe there's a breakthrough coming in our nation. I believe there's a breakthrough of righteousness coming in our nation. I believe that. I'm not one of these doomsayers who say it's all down. I believe God's about to do some big things. But hear me. He's going to do those things as his people pray and face the right enemy. I'm in the battle. Are you? Amen. Amen. Here's what I want to leave you with today. When in a trial... Refocus your heart and mind on God. Follow Jesus and keep it real. And focus on your real enemy. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you so much and thank you for this day. Thank you that we're able to gather here in this place freely and worship you with all our hearts. Thank you for every person you've brought into this place today, Jesus. Thank you for their hearts, their desire to be here. God, I pray that your word has gotten through to us today. Build us up, Lord. You're outfitting us for this battle that we're in. We're going to be victorious. We already are victorious because we're in a war that's already been won. We stand in that victory today. Do your work, God, beyond anything we can do. With heads bowed, eyes closed across the congregation. I just wonder who here today would say, Pastor, I'm not going to embarrass any of you this morning, I promise. I'm not going to make you do anything this morning. But I just wonder if you're here to say, I want to say yes to Jesus as my Savior and Lord today. Can I see your hand really quick? I'm saying yes to Jesus this morning. Anybody here this morning? Yes to Jesus. I trust you all know Jesus and are living for him now. Anybody say right now, Pastor, I just need that refocus. That's an important word for me right now. Refocus is critical for me right now to get my eyes off my problems and to get them on the Lord. Can I see your hands this morning? All right, awesome, awesome. How many want to be more authentic? You just want to follow Jesus and keep it real in your life. Do you have problems sharing your struggles? How many have hidden some of your failures and you want it to be a part of your story now? Can I see your hands? Oh, yeah, a bunch of you. How many like me struggle sometimes with facing the wrong enemy? 
and you say, I pray God will give me the wisdom, the discernment, and the power to face the real enemy of my life. Can I see your hands right now? Oh, a bunch of us, a bunch of us today. Jesus, bring that to pass as we obey you. In your name we pray and thank you. Amen. Next week, Psalm 139, we get to the culmination of it all where David said, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent God, search me and know my heart, know my whole life. We're going to talk about inviting this great God into every part of your being. And I believe it's a time when people are going to be set free. I believe next week we're going to see people come to Jesus. I really believe it's going to culminate this whole series. So don't miss it next week. Easter's coming up just a couple weeks after that. Can you believe it? We're going to have a powerful Easter, three services on Sunday morning, fit everybody in here, one on Thursday night, one on Sunday afternoon for the Hispanic congregation. We're really excited about Easter. After that, we're going to do five weeks on the craziest things Jesus ever did. Going to be a lot of fun. The craziest things Jesus ever did coming up. And we're really, really, because he did some crazy things. Can I get an amen? We're going to learn what all those really meant and why he did it. Hopefully we will. Uh, pray for me and all of us that we will figure this out and God will reveal to us what he wants to say to us in that series but really excited about what's coming up love you so much let me bless you today I want to bless you today with the discernment I'm speaking this over your life we believe in the power of spoken blessing and I speak over your life today a God-given ability to discern the real enemy in every situation you know Jesus often when he's dealing with a demonic spirit he asks for the name because knowing someone's name, knowing its name gives you authority over it. Identifying it gives you authority over it. So I'm blessing you today and speaking over your lives, the ability to see and know your real enemy in the situations that come up in your life and the ability to speak to those in authority and to watch them flee in Jesus' name. Now with that blessing, go. I commission you, go in the power of the Holy Spirit. Take Jesus to your world. Love you. Thank you for being here today. See you next time. Be blessed. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at ucf.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Fellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue the Upward Journey.